Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me is the man who finished second place in the Catholic Hipsters Cool Catholic Convert of the Year, Zach Mabry. Zach, sorry you finished second, my man. Hey, it's okay. I um I came in second by a good margin. I was I was definitely ahead of the third and fourth, and you know the person I was behind uh, is has a verified blue check Twitter account. So, you know that's not fair, right? I I know it's not fair. There, there should be a separate category for us normies and a separate category for the the big wigs who have the uh, verified blue check mark. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, we have Twitter accounts, don't we, Matt? Oh, well, it's funny you mentioned that, Zach. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at, hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. You can email us, podcast at romancircusblog.com. Find us on iTunes. Leave a review if you want. Mention it to your friends. That would be nice. You can also find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Podbean and Google Play and wherever podcasts are in general. All right, Zach, wonderful week we had. Uh, kind of more of the same in the church. Things are, things are starting to come out. Things are kind of getting uh, kind of bad, I would say. Kind of rough. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was, um, I was a little worried that a lot of this stuff would get lost in kind of the 36-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like people really do have an appetite for actually dealing with this. And so, um, you know, over the past week, there was a video interview released with Cardinal Donald Worrell from Washington, D.C. It was expressed, brutal. Yeah, um, it was rough. I think we've tweeted it already, but if not, we can do it again. Um, where he kind of expresses his view that this whole thing is not that big of a of a crisis. Um then, shortly thereafter, today, um, the long-awaited Pennsylvania grand jury report was released. So what they released was, um, it's about almost a 1,000 pages, and it details abuse of over a 1,000 children by over 300 priests. Um, and it is it is redacted, which just means that there's black boxes over certain words, like names and stuff. Right. Um, and the government of Pennsylvania is trying to get the redactions overturned so they can release the full... Um, unedited report so we're um, you know we're following that the report mentions Cardinal World over 200 times wow Um, right and there's actually been a website put up um, defending Cardinal World what is it called Um, it is called and you know feel free I guess you know check out his side of the story Um, it is called the World Record www.theworldrecord.com um, so I guess while he was uh, in the interview saying that this isn't that big of a crisis he was also preparing a website to defend himself from this not a big crisis situation so that's um, that's interesting um, another point I would raise is that he's 77 years old and if anyone knows more about this they can you know feel free to correct us but my understanding is that you know, bishops are required at age seventy-five to submit a resignation to the Pope, and right. the Pope um, 
would then, you know, accept or or not accept the resignation. So at 77, it seems like, you know, when people are calling for him to resign, he may already have resigned. And he, you know, we're maybe yelling at him when he may have already resigned. So, um, you know, who knows? But we're, we're definitely following it. Um, Dr. Chad, uh, oh no. What is his name? What is his name? Um, for, for Pecknold. Which one? Dr. Chad, uh, Dr. Chad Pecknold. Um, yes. C.C. Great Pecknell. theologian. Yes. Um, so he is uh, teaches for Catholic University of America. Um, he made a comment that really stuck out to me, that he's going to sit down and read the entire, you know, nearly 1,000-page grand jury report from Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, and he's going to read it as if each one of those children are his own child. Man, that's crazy. Um, yeah. And so... You know, what I would encourage people to do is, again, don't think that this stuff doesn't have the power to shake your faith. Keep praying your rosary. Um, you know, keep keep focusing on Our Lady and on, on the truths of the faith. And like we've said in previous episodes, when you can't look to the hierarchy, you can look to the saints. So, Absolutely. you know, remember the power that this, this filth has to shake your faith. Don't get cocky, you know? Oh, yeah, no, we should... We should use this to want to create a better church, a more efficient and a more fruitful church, right? Getting all this, getting all these bad seeds and digging up all these roots will help the church to grow in the end, as we've, we've explained over the past few podcasts. But yeah, def- right. it's, it's going to be a weekly challenge to your faith and to your ability to remain calm and not angry. Because right. these things are going to come out, and as Michael Brendan Doherty said on Twitter earlier, if you thought it was bad, it's going to be worse than you thought. So right, and you know people, you know, try to contextualize this by mentioning scandals from the past, and you know the most famous one that people bring up are the Borgia popes. Um, the Borgias were this you know family of. Spanish men, a few of them served as popes. There's like right. multiple television series about you know how decadent these people were. Don't watch sure. them; they're the shows are filthy. But I, I would say that from some of the stuff that's come out and the stuff I've read, that if if you told the Borgias the things that are going on today, they would faint. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, keep focusing on on prayer, on strengthening your your own faith. And also, you know, on fasting and doing penance for for the church and for the bishops and the priests. Um, obviously, you know, the person that they're hurting the most is is our Lord himself. He suffered and died on the cross so that we could have, you know, in order to help start the Catholic Church. Um, and so, you know, when his church has men leading it who behave like this, it's, it's he, him that suffers. Absolutely. So, you know, unite, unite your suffering with him on the cross and... You know, don't let this stuff shake your faith. Oh no, it's uh, we better get ready for the storm. But it's yeah, I I don't know if I'm going to read all of it. To be honest, I definitely don't think I'll read all thousand pages. But between the two of us, kind of sending things back and forth to each other, I think we'll. If you if you can't read all of it, and you ha- have a friend who's been reading some, you guys can share information. That would be a way to kind of soften the blow. I would imagine. But oh, by the way, we forgot to mention this at the very beginning. We're going to have a special guest on later, John Kramer yes. from so, the 
Lego Church project is stopping by. So yeah, so we yeah. get so many nice comments about our normal episodes and topics, and it, it's always fun to read the feedback. But um, every so often, people ask us, you know, why don't you do more interviews or bring more people on the show? Um, so you can't say we didn't uh, we didn't bring you guys any cool treats because uh, we're really looking forward to talking to to John. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be exciting. He these churches that he makes out of Lego are incredible. Like if you haven't seen the pictures, it, we'll link to it. And he says his Twitter, he'll say his Twitter account and all that, so you can see these pretty amazing pictures. But today, before we get into that, we wanted to talk about scrupulosity. Zach, I called it scurrility right before we started recording. It is in fact scrupulosity. Um, I scrupulosity. It was it, so. I, it, I was going to say it was kind of born from a Twitter conversation where I tweeted out that I feel like I'm in a constant state of mortal sin always, and that kind of got the ball rolling on some people talking talking about being scrupulous. So right. And so I don't know, I just thought some points would be made. So the idea of being scrupulous is sort of this notion that you've sort of, um, it's almost similar to like obsessive compulsive disorder where you've got this obsessive thought that you're not actually uh, in the state of grace or that your sins haven't been forgiven or that the sacraments were invalid. Right. And it's, you know, it's not based on anything in reality. And, you know, I personally, well, one, it's a really tough cross to bear if somebody... Um, goes through that, and so I think you know there should be lots of sympathy for anyone who's who's struggling with genuine scrupulosity. But I also think that the term is thrown around pretty loosely to mm-hmm. refer to like anybody who wants to live a life that pleases God, um, you know, by following His commandments and growing in virtue, sort of becomes scrupulous because people, you know, they're they're going to you know be critical of their own actions, and that's going to get you know kind of quickly painted as scrupulous. So you know, correctly applying the moral law to your life with, with delicacy and diligence is, is a saintly behavior. You know, that doesn't mean that you're scrupulous because you want to please God in all things. It, it really comes down to when you, you know, when you obsessively start to doubt the sacraments or your own state of grace. And it, this tends to hinge on the sacrament of confession. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. I, I mean, that's, basically what it all comes down to right you you can think that you can be scrupulous by thinking that you're constantly engaging in a sin or everything is a sin or everything's not good enough but yeah it really leads back to just confession in general and i it can hit you when you're you step out of the confessional and immediately think oh did i did i not say this did i not say that what did i not do this right did the priest do the words of absolution correctly like it it basically any it's just a, can become frantic or you can if you panic about the details of these things like you right. i don't know if so, you can be scrupulous about the other sacraments but confession is probably the biggest one right i mean you see rampant scrupulosity um with the sacrament of holy matrimony and people thinking that they're you know so many of these marriages are invalid when in reality it's probably very difficult to actually invalidate a marriage because you know it's god that makes the sacraments work um but you see people thinking that you know hundreds and thousands of 
marriages are invalid when more than likely if illiterate peasants in the 12th century could get married so can you know your average high school educated you know catholic in the west um right but for confession you know some tips i'd want to give is just find a good priest that you can stick with if you're going you know priest to priest to priest to sort of hide how often you're going to confession that might be a sign that you're scrupulous um but if you have a priest that really believes in the power of the sacraments he can help you determine if you've dipped into scrupulosity and and he can help you out of it um the other thing is to you know remember that again the sacraments work because of our lord's you know grace Mm -hmm. not because not really because of what we're doing so if you go into the confessional with the intention to confess all of your mortal sins um and then you act according to that intention and the priest says the words of absolution then you don't have to worry about the validity of your confession so you can even just you know before you're done after you've said all your sins just ask yourself am i holding anything back on purpose right and if the answer is no then you're fine. It doesn't matter if 10 seconds after you get out of the confession, confessional you remember some terrible sin, your confession is valid. Um, you know, they ask that if you do remember a sin after you've gone, just next time you go, bring it up out of justice and love for our Lord. But it doesn't mean you're not in the state of grace. You don't have to go back to confession. Right. So the, you'd other, wanna... the other piece is to remember that once those sins are forgiven, they're forgiven in the eyes of God. So you don't have to, like, you know, sit there and wonder if you have to confess it again, or maybe you should do it two or three times. That's uh, right. It turns into a you know, it's the pre- sticky wicket, Zach. If you keep wanting to confess things over and over and over again that you haven't done, right? And you know, it's the priest's job to ask for clarifying details, and so you also don't have to think, oh, you know, if you if you did a you know if you identified the sin, but you you you, you didn't include every little detail of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it really is the priest's job to help you not make a bad confession. So he would ask for clarifying details if there was something that pertained to the validity of the confession. So, um, you know, unless you have this positive intention of, I'm going to not say this, and I'm going to hold back this sin, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't be worried about the validity of your confessions, because that's the priest's job. So, you know, don't... It's kind of one case where a mission, unintentional omission, really isn't going to going to cause you any problems and you know we're open to advice or suggestions from other more educated people on that but i've always as i've always been taught it's you know you have to have the intention to not state something in the confessional for it to invalidate your confession right i i also once had a priest i used to say for these sins and for the sins i may be forgetting i'd like to ask god's forgiveness and i did have a priest correct me and say well god can only forget like it that that's not a blanket statement that covers you necessarily like he's just enforcing like you want to confess the sins that you remember you don't want to use that as kind of a catch-all um but it doesn't mean that the sins aren't forgiven i think the point the point being in that moment he just wanted to make sure that i wasn't using that as a um, way to kind of get around the system so now i just stick to for these and for my sins, for all my sins, I'd like to ask God's forgiveness. Right. And so, yeah, don't be too worried about that. Um, you know, and remember, for your confession to be valid, you you just have to mention all of your mortal sins. Um, 
you know, a mortal sin has three parts to it. It has to be grave matter. That's the objective criteria. Right. And then it has to be done, um, you know, you have to consent to it, um, you know, with sufficient reflection. Um, so, you know, know what you do. You, you knew it and you chose it and it was grave. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with mentioning a sin that doesn't meet that threshold. So you can mention your venial sins or, you know, if you committed a grave sin but you didn't know or whatever, you know, you can still mention it because it helps the priest give you advice. Um, so I would just, you know, think about that. And remember, we go to confession because we love God and we want to please him. And we also want to open up ourselves to his grace, which is going to make our lives better and more, you know, more more godly and more, um, you know, more ordered towards the good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keep that in mind and you, know, you don't have to go in with just the bare minimum in the most vague way possible. You know, be open to the grace and and view it as an act of love. Um, and I think that will really help when you prepare for, for that sacrament. Oh, yeah. No, that's, uh, that's perfect. I would caution. It's tough. How do you feel? Maybe you can weigh in and correct me on this sack but how how do you feel about a priest telling you what is or isn't a sin while in the confessional because i've had priests tell me things like oh don't worry that's not that's not sinful when i'm i kind of think it was like i've always kind of been hesitant if they speak up and say something like that what is what is your yeah no imagine I mean, imagine that you go to your doctor, mm-hmm. okay, and you've got this nasty growth on your arm that, you know, gets stuck in all your clothes and hair gets caught in it and people make fun of you for it and you really want help with this thing. And your doctor looks at it and says, oh, that's not that's not a disease <laughs> and then sends you home. Right. So, you know, if you're going to confession for something, it's because you want to be forgiven and you want God's grace to, you know, be poured out on that, that aspect of your life or that character flaw. Right. So sure. There are certain sins that make you ashamed and a priest is probably just trying to help you feel better by saying that. But obviously, you know, the best thing to make you feel better would be to be absolved of that sin and to not have that sin in the future. Um, yeah. Cause you, you never know, really you don't go have in. to. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, you never really go in confessing that you helped too many old ladies across the street, right? So if you're going in and saying something, it's probably because it it airs on the side of being sinful, you know? So best, best, to, best to leave it alone probably and not say, no, 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 that is not a sin. Right. Um, you know, I mean, and maybe you go in and what you name is not a sin. I mean, there is, you know... There are things that are not sins and are sins. Um, I would just be weary of a of a priest that maybe says that's not a sin anymore or that's not such a big deal. Uh, yeah. um, because, you know, neither of those are ways to describe sin. Um, and, you know, again, focus on the healing aspects of the sacrament. Do you want to be healed of these things that are troubling you um, and are, are, you know, potentially offending our Lord? Or do you want someone to just kind of, you know, puff you up and make you feel good about yourself without yes, actually helping you become better. Yes, yeah. I do. I, I want that very much. Also, you can talk to your spiritual director about things and questions about what is a sin and what is not. They'll they'll be able to help you too. And it's more of a 
more of a informal setting for those types of conversations anyway. Yeah. You know, if you find a confessor that you want to stick with, just ask yourself, you know, does this priest want to help me get in to heaven? Mm-hmm. And does he believe that um that my salvation um you know is attainable through God's grace and the sacraments? And you know, find someone like that who who's going to help you there. And I think you'll be in great hands. That's right. Now I'm getting really worried, Zach. Did we forget anything? Did we not do this correctly? Did this conversation go well? Did this conversation right. about being scrupulous go okay? I'm I'm getting very worried. Well, don't worry too much because we're going to change to a much more exciting topic next. Oh yeah, no, it's going to be great cuz I'm going to say Let's get to our interview with John Kramer, and then the audio is going to shift slightly, and it's going to sound like we recorded that before we recorded this. Um, But don't be fooled. We did this uh, chronologically. Now let's get to our interview with John Kramer, Zach. Sounds good. All right, Zach, as promised, we have John Kramer here with the Lego Church Project. This is a very special interview. We don't do interviews per se much, but this is a pretty cool project. We wanted to, you know, break the the podcasting mold that we've created for ourselves and branch out. But John, thanks for coming on the podcast. Ah, thanks for having me. We've been trying to do this for a little bit, but we've been running back and forth and I've had to send the regretful please Please don't think we're jerks, but we've been running around town. But here we are. We've finally done it. Um, I This is... I, I don't know what to say about the Lego Church Project other than it's pretty amazing. Zach, you've, you've thumbed through all the pictures and seen these massive Lego churches, haven't you? Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, it's so... Basically, for the for those who don't know what we're talking about or haven't seen any of your projects, every year, for what this is the nineteenth year that you've built a church out of Legos, and it's what is this? What is the scale on the churches usually? Oh my gosh! Uh, the last I'm going to say five or six seasons have been around forty-seven inches in length with a width varying from 24 to 25 inches. And the height to the tip of the bell tower runs usually anywhere in the low end of 26 to 28 inches. Wow. Then, by the way, before I forget, the, I think maybe the most underrated part of this whole project is you refer to it as seasons. I just love that. Well, that's because what it is. Because mm-hmm. I start the building process probably about eh, between February and March. Right. And that takes about a month to two months, depending on what I'm doing. After that, I do the display portion of it where I actually take it on the road to different parishes or other events in the region. And then after the final display at Christmas time, that same afternoon it comes back from my home parish, it gets torn apart brick by brick. Mm-hmm. And then I start then I start the process all over again. So yeah, it literally is a season. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Oh, so they these get taken apart once once the tour's over, like once it's complete? Yes. Okay. And that takes about two to three days, depending on 
depending on how well I built it, which uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Is there any emotional attachment to these things once you have to get rid of them, or what's the what are you feeling when you finally take this it, thing down? It is literally a bittersweet emotion uh, because of the fact that I've just spent the last year or so with this particular project, taking it on the road, showing it to people around. You kind of get that disappointment, that sadness that the season has ended. But at the same time, though, you're always looking forward to the next build. So there's a hint of excitement in knowing that you're about ready to start another project and it's going to be very different from what you did before. And so, so it's kind of an encouragement in a way to be able to keep going on as much as I have been. Oh yeah, no, not, not... it kind of reminds me of uh, like the uh, FFA, the Future Farmers of America kids, because they have to like, you know, they spend all of the year, you know, preparing, uh, you know, different farm animals, and they take them to show, and then have to sell them. And uh, you know, it's kind of like you you spend all of your time and you put so much of your creativity and your energy into these projects. Um, and then, yeah, it's like, I guess the end of one is the start of another. So it's kind of, like you said, bittersweet. But, yeah, I, I've been looking at pictures, and it's impressive and, you know, really good attendance at this Lego mass. So very faithful Lego town. <laughs> uh, that's done on purpose, though. When you, when you think about, given what I do with the project as it is, it's my opportunity to show people the importance of the mass, the importance of attending church. So for a lot of people, it is a reminder of how important things should be. Uh, particularly with a lot of the older generation that see the project, they remember Mass from back when they were growing up and how the churches were always full. Mm-hmm. So it kind of brings back a lot of memories for them, but it's also encouragement to the younger uh, generations coming up that this is where we need to be uh, on our weekend. Oh, no, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. This, okay, so the very beginning, what inspired you to do this? Because I don't know how many people think... I'm going to build a giant model church out of Lego. I'm sure people do, but they don't go through with it. But you've gone through with it 19 times. So what was the what was the kickstart on this whole project? Well, growing up, uh, you had my friends who were building Legos, but they were more into building spaceships. Sure. And, and they built these elaborate constructs, uh, multiple layers, multiple levels, uh, very elaborate things, and for me, I tried to do that. It didn't go very well. So eventually, I started building buildings as I was a kid, and it kind of developed from there. Uh, what ter- what it turned into the Lego Church project was when I actually did my first public display back mm-hmm. in uh, I think two thousand one. Uh, I had just done a short, like two week run over at. Uh, the uh, charismatic uh, community that my uh, parents and I were involved in, and they still are involved in, uh, in Flushing, Michigan, uh, Mount Zion. And so from there, for the first couple of years, it was just like the single display. Uh, what really kind of took the project off was when I did my first Christmas display uh, at St. Helens Parish, now known as Christ the Good Shepherd, uh, and where it's been going ever since. Uh, as part of the Christmas uh, season. And that's kind of how it kind of developed into the current format where I build early in the year, display it, and with all the roads leading to my home parish. Okay. That's that's great to take it back. How uh, I always find, too, that things that I can connect to churches I grew up are more meaningful, obviously, you know, because you grow up going to these, going to these masses and if – 
when you see things that bring back those memories, it's always kind of fun. Well, yeah, I mean, and for for me, growing up, it was always the, particularly with the Christmas time, uh, you always had the churches full of people no matter what, and I try and capture a little bit of that, and I guess in a way, I'm trying to tell a story. Kind of, kind of like, kind of like the Final Fantasy games. I kind of compare it to that, where, where even though it's a different building, there are similarities between the different projects uh, as the years have moved on. That's true. There's a th- there's a through line, so people can kind of stay connected with the in in their own minds. They're starting. They've seen it evolve into what it's become. So I'm sure they take some pride in it. The community takes some pride in having you there each year. Well, it was kind of funny. I recently did a uh, disability awareness conference uh, that the uh, Saginaw Diocese was putting on, and I had some people that had seen the project when I was over at Holy or Knox Holy Spirit, excuse me, All Saints Parish in Bay City. I did a two week run uh, at their uh, parish, and they had seen it. But when they looked at it again, they noticed different things that they had missed the first time around. Oh wow, that's fantastic. What the uh, the obvious question is: How many pieces go into the go into the church? <laughs> I would guess anywhere from twenty to twenty five thousand pieces, and a lot of that is guesstimating, just because of the fact that after about a couple hundred of the one by one translucent oh, round pieces, yeah. those little flat little pieces, the tiniest pieces that Lego really makes, right. Uh, you kind of lose track, and I know that in the floors alone, I use a couple hundred of those. Uh, and plus, what a lot of people don't see, uh, unless you've actually looked at the pictures of the building, you realize that that there are a lot of sections on there, a lot of beams that are custom-made to fit a particular space, and those take up a lot of parts, too. Those are like three rows of plates, so there's a lot of stuff that's involved in that. And also, too, you also have the balcony section, which adds a lot because that has a lot of pieces in it, too, just to make it up the uh, space. Zach, I don't know if you're hearing what I'm hearing, but I think in decades from now, when the case for canonization for John Kramer is up, they will play this podcast to show his patience <laughs> and his thoroughness and how it related to oh, his yeah. spiritual life. I have to oh, laugh when you guys. I have to laugh when you guys say that because if anyone was to actually see me in person, patience is not the first word that they would uh, <laughs> come to mind. I am a very hyperactive person. Yeah, usually. Uh, but I think what it is is that you have to have a narrow-minded focus for something that you truly love doing, mm-hmm. and to be able to sit down for countless hours. I work on the project during a typical build, anywhere from two to three hours. Um, one day, and then I could be spending five to six hours the next day, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's some and, and I'm not working on a single section at a time. How many one one day we work on some design stuff in the back section? Other days I may work on some front stuff. So it's kind of like organized chaos. Yeah, because you can see my tables, you can see the pieces all over the place, and a lot of that is a lot of pre-planning uh, mentally. Uh, to figure out where you're going to go with stuff. So there's a real heavy technical aspect that's involved that most people don't really get to see unless they actually have happened to be to my apartment during the build time and realize that my apartment, my living room looks like a Lego tornado hit it. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Well, it makes um, that's sen- living room goals, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it makes sense that you 
have to take these things apart because buying twenty to twenty five thousand Lego every year would probably run you into the ground, I would imagine. I would probably say that I've got probably a couple thousand dollars uh, of Lego, either through stuff that I've acquired through people dropping stuff off to me or stuff that I've probably spent uh, as well. Uh, I tell you right now, a couple years ago, I was able to replace the large base plates that the project actually sits on. Uh, thanks to my, uh, thanks to some family members who were able to chip in a little bit, and those were alone around me around me close to two hundred bucks. Right. Just, oh, wow. just, for the, just for the base plates alone, and those are important because that's what the. It's kind of funny because the project itself sits on a plywood base that I build it on, but in order to connect everything together, you have to have uh, suitable base plates in order to use it. So I use like three of the super large ones, and I use like uh, four or five of the smaller ones that kind of make up that entire area that fit most of that workstation. Because the workstation alone is like 48 by 26. So not a large space overall. Uh, so kind of over the years, it's, instead of trying to build wider, I've actually kind of built upwards. And the project height has actually gone up quite a bit over the last couple of years, I've noticed. Do you have to hire piano movers to get that thing in and out of your house? I mean... Uh, <laughs> It's kind of funny you say that. Usually what it's been, what's happening in the last couple of years is I actually get like a coffee cart from like the main office area or my own and we put it on that and then wheel it over to the vehicle and then whenever we go to a display location, we'll get another similar kind of cart and move it that way. It makes things a lot easier because the project has to weigh about 40 pounds. Sure. The, the, the giant roof cross alone that I started putting a couple of years ago that piece has to weigh at least two pounds, maybe if not more. Wow. Yeah, it all adds up. So I'm looking at the inside of one of the, the I think this is your most recent one. It's a tweet that you put out uh, earlier this month. Yeah. And there, I'm looking, is there, is that a, um, a ramp to make the altar area more accessible? It's like uh, clear. Not on this particular one, I don't think. Uh, but there is a power chair in there, though. There, okay, I there, saw the power chair. Yeah, Love that's, that. actually, that's actually based off an actual parishioner of my home parish. And that kind of makes a little bit of a funny little story. I sit in the choir sections uh, most times, because that's what I do. Uh, so you see a lot. You see a lot of the people that come in. You know who's there. You know, you know who's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh but I saw this lady right around the same time that Lego was announcing that they were coming out for wheelchair, and I must have had that on my mind because I'm looking. I'm looking at uh, the lady. Uh, she's like twenty something years old, uh, has cerebral palsy, uh, and watched her and her mother uh, just sitting there for a minute. And I'm wondering to myself. I think I spent the entire mass uh, just in thought. Could I build a power chair? Hmm. And I think I, I think I had the initial one built within about. Yeah, I'm going to say an hour. Just that initial prototype. Uh, and then I think over the years, I think I've kind of fine-tuned it. And eventually, I actually showed it to, to the lady and her mom, and they were just overjoyed with it. Oh, I bet. They were overjoyed the fact that I included them uh, in the project. That's amazing. Oh, I bet. That's really cool. Um, so another question. What are the odds that one of the future seasons you might do uh, – you know, have them set up to say mass, you know, ad orientum, maybe the, 
maybe a, a solemn high mass in the extraordinary form. <laughs> you know, um, a nice you know altar rail. What do you think? <laughs> you know what? I really don't know. I don't know where the story is going to take me. Uh, in season 19 story in particular, I wanted to put a focus on the altar uh, and really have a little bit more of an elaborate setup than what I've had in the past. Not that my setups haven't been, but I really wanted to put a focus on the priests that are sit, uh, that are standing at the altar. I wanted them to really, want the people to get a real good look as to what I was doing with that. Uh, so, but you never know. You never know what where the story is going to take me. Season 20 is uh, not too far away uh, in terms of building, and at this point I'm already starting to get some kind of mental planning for what I want to do. <laughs> That's kind of what I was going to ask you about next, actually, is do people send you pictures of churches they want you to build, or how do you go about that? I start looking up, uh, well, basically any place that I visit kind of becomes fuel for inspiration. Uh, any pictures that I see on Twitter or Facebook or someone that someone sent me, I study those. Mm-hmm. I look at them. I look to see what people are, what has been done, what people are doing. Uh, my design aesthetic is that when I walk into a church, it has to look like a church. There has to be a crucifix. There has to be the tabernacle. You have to be able to see everything that's there. Uh, so I try and incorporate that, even though I'm kind of more of a modern designer, I guess, per se, I try and invoke that kind of that sense of awe and wonder that when you walk into a church, you are in an amazing place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for someone who's got disabilities like I do, that's important. You, you, it's, it's a way to grab someone's attention to know that you're in some place that is truly, truly important in our lives. So that's a good segue into the disability awareness aspect of this. Uh, how did it did it start as the disability awareness, or what what season did that kind of enter into it? Did you think you could mold these two and bring them both together? I think it was kind of a subconscious part. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as I said, it wasn't really until season four that things kind of really took off of what I was doing. Right. Uh, at that point, I was starting to show pictures more online than I had before. And so from there, and, and one of the questions I keep kept asking myself is, why am I doing this? I've got a mild form of cerebral palsy. I'm unable to work because because of that. And what kind of became a focus is, is I realized that, that God is using me in a very creative way, and that kind of became my message. Uh, so it kind of, over the course of a couple seasons, it kind of took off to uh, where things are at now, where it's kind of become... The message of disability awareness has really become the focus and has become a second part of the project, and which is just as much as important as the building itself. Sure. Well, that's, no, that's a great way to find your talents and find what you can do and put them towards the good. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's very powerful. We have to we have to have it in this day and age. And uh, when I was attending this disability awareness conference, it was kind of neat because I was there both as a guest to as an attendant to to observe what was going on in the conference, but I was also technically a vendor. And people loved it. People really got what I was doing, and I felt like I was truly belonged there. Uh, and it was just a lot of fun for me. But I also learned a lot of information. I'm still kind of sorting through mentally. Uh, I, I think there's definitely areas of improvement that we can uh, that the churches can go through, 
and over time I'm probably going to explore more of those in my writings uh, with the uh, Praying at the Bricks, uh, just like I did recently with a couple uh, posts. Have you had anyone offer you money for the church that they can display inside of their home? <laughs> Actually, no. But people have wondered, well, why don't you sell this? Why don't you put these on the market? You can make a lot of money. I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this for the love of the faith, and plus it's it's something that challenges me. Sure. It challenges my, challenges my mind in a way that otherwise would not be challenged. You have to figure that when I'm sitting at the project, that is my focus. Even the TV could be on, I may not even be paying attention to it because I'm in the midst of trying to construct something, trying to figure out where windows are going to go, where doors are going to go. Okay, this isn't working. What do I do to, to improve that? So it's, the men, it's that mental challenge that keeps me engaged that I really love. Uh, even when even when my anxiety is being pushed up, especially when a section is giving me a lot of trouble, I can tell you a few horror stories. Oh, I bet. Of the, of the build. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind would be season 16. <laughs> I had finished pretty much finished the walls of the side section of the church. I was getting ready to do the roof tiles, and something didn't fit right. It's like, wait a minute, what is going on here? So I ended up tearing down the entire section and had discovered that during the course of the building, one of the columns that I had that was supporting the section had lifted up and set on one of the floor tiles, just one little plate. That was enough to throw everything off of that entire section. Uh... I think I spent about an hour rebuilding both sides to make sure that that was not the case. It's like, oh my gosh. (laughs) But then again, you you get that kind of stuff, though. That's just the nature of of what it is that you're doing. Uh, I mean, you you talk to any artist, and you know that they've had some challenges in the course of what they're doing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I got another... uh... Pointless gibberish question coming straight at you. Favorite Lego piece? Oh gosh! <laughs> do you just, or at this point, do you just resent them all? Do you just have nightmares about every single one of them? I think my favorite piece out of all of them is probably the the two by four brick because I use that a lot for a lot of the different things, and probably the second one, probably the second one would be the one by one round Hmm. because those make up a lot of the tile work a lot of the more intricate patterns that go into the flooring particularly along the center aisle leading into the back and into both entrances uh i always i've always loved those elaborate tile floorings that you see in some churches and i really try and capture that spirit when i'm uh, working on it the areas underneath the uh, benches though those are just flat colors usually red or blue most people are not going to see the detail underneath that, and frankly, those kind of add extra stability, though, to the actual uh, structure. Yeah, and that man, I can't imagine how like torn up your fingernails must be by the end of the season. <laughs> oh man, uh, laying down flooring inside the project takes a couple hours, and usually my fingertips are raw after that because you're pressing down on studs. Even if you're using like a tool or something to try and press them down just to make sure everything's uh, set. And it's a two-step process because first got to go through and rough lay out all the plates on the ground just to make sure that they're going to fit and you're going to have enough plates to cover. Then you go through and individually push down each individual piece. And by the time you're getting to the smaller pieces towards the front, your fingers are 
<laughs> same, same way same way on the teardown. Your, your fingers are hurting for a couple of days. You're not going to want to type anything for, at that point. Man, if you... If, yeah, well, if, it's neat. With everything kind of going on, uh, you know, at different times, there's, like, chaos in the news and in the church, but it's neat to be able to, like, go and see the pictures of what you're doing. And I, I don't know, it's just, it's fun, and it has such a uplifting tone to it, like seeing these works of art that you create each season, and, you know, well, everyone's we, in these... All the Lego people are at Mass for Sunday, and it, it, I, I just, I love it. Well, you have to figure that, above all else, that I'm trying to give hope to people. You, you have kids, you, know, you have parents whose, whose child may be diagnosed with something, or you have an adult who who is questioning himself her, or herself because of the challenges that they face. And um, my project gives hope to those who otherwise may not have that hope uh, to be able to realize that God can still use their talents. Mm-hmm. He's clearly done. He's clearly done it with me for for almost twenty years. Uh, to tell you that I actually be sitting here right now, I told a couple of years ago I would have told you I was everyone was nuts. That was not going to happen. But uh, by the grace of God, uh, by the grace of God, I'm still standing, uh, being able to do this. And I love sharing the work. I love being able to take it on the road. Uh, I've been to some rather interesting uh, parishes over the years, uh, both in both in the Saginaw uh, region and also I've, I did a couple displays down in uh, Detroit diocese as well. Uh, those are a lot of fun, uh, especially when you go into a place for the first time. No one quite knows what to expect, mm-hmm. and then they see this. They see it come in. Some people actually see it come in. They're not quite sure what to make of it. They, they see me set it down. They see me plug it in because there's lights inside it. Uh, your, your standard Christmas tree lights. Then they come over and they see the outside of the building, but then you tell them, "Hey, you gotta look inside. You gotta look inside. That's where the real story is at." And once they do, man, their eyes just get so large. And it one of the one of the common questions that I get is, how long does it actually take you to build? Well, depending on the season, usually about a month to a month and a half. And then their jaws had really hit the floor. It's like, whoa, that that can't be built in a month. There's no way that it can be built in a month. Yeah, well, <laughs> season nineteen was. Yeah, man, that's insane. What is your favorite? Lego uh, uh, set that is not church related. Do you have like a favorite one that Lego put out, Star Wars or something like that? Yeah, there was a couple. There's a couple different sets. Uh, years ago, long time ago, Lego had uh, their second uh, run of uh, Space Police. Okay, and there was a there was a transport vehicle. And then I was just thinking about this the other day. I used to have a larger uh, Mtron set. This would have been back mid '90s, I think. Uh, I'm trying to remember when they actually had that set out. It was one of the some of the windows I actually have uh, in the project actually came from that set. So, wow. Uh, so yeah. So uh, and, it's, and it's kind of funny. It's like if it's a Lego element, I will find a way. Try and find a way to use it mm-hmm. in some way or form. <laughs> Whether it be from space or from uh, from a standard building, I will find a creative way to use that part. <laughs> Do you ever sneak Darth Vader into the congregation, or sneak like a a character we all know into the congregation? Oh yes, uh, you, you talk about Star Wars. For the last couple seasons, there has been a running uh, joke of trying to find where's R two. 
the, the first year I did it, he was hidden in some obscure panel that you wouldn't have noticed unless you were looking right inside. Uh, last year, he was underneath the stairwell in that same general area. This year, he's kind of out in plain sight. Let's see, I've thrown Wolverine in the project. I've thrown Deadpool in the project. Uh, Optimus Prime is sitting in there. Nice. And the kids love that. The kids will spend countless hours just looking and seeing all the figures that are inside there. They'll, they'll see Harry Potter stuff. Uh, wherever I can get my hands on uh, basically can uh, be in there. And it's kind of funny, though, too, because I also try and base it on some stuff based on actual people. Uh, sure. Particularly particularly with the uh, with the priests and stuff. Uh for the last couple, there was a running joke in the early days of the project uh, that the priest figure was actually based off the uh, priest of uh, St. Helens at the time, uh, Father Emma Marceau. So I had a figure based, I had a, a Lego minifigure head based on him, and I used that for a good number of years. Uh, and this year's this year uh, is kind of a, a tribute to him as well because uh, over the course uh, a couple months ago he passed away, mm. uh, and and I had his figure already set up inside the project. Uh, so, and then of course the current, uh, uh, pastor that's in there has been, uh, Father Ron Wagner, who's the current, uh, over at Christ the Good Shepherd, uh, which is basically the merger of St. Helens and St. Andrews and Saginaw, uh, and so he's been a huge fan of my work too, uh, so it's been kind of nice to get that kind of support so I don't have to worry uh, about the uh, Christmas display, because I love doing that one. That's like the biggest, it's probably... It's, out of all my displays, that one's the longest because I usually set up first or second week of Advent, right. and then I go all the way through Christmas. Nice. Uh, and people love it. People will come over, they'll see it. Uh, a couple of years ago, a uh, one of the local TV stations came by uh, and did a nice story on me. Uh, at, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so where can people find you? What What are some websites? What's the Twitter? Where can people see all this good stuff? They can find me on Twitter under uh, KC8WZM. That is my uh, personal account. They can also find me under on Facebook under the Lego Church Project uh, page, which I've had for like seven or eight years now, I think. And then also, uh, too, if they want to check out some of my more interesting writings, uh, there's also a blog which is kind of uh, connected to the project called Praying at the Bricks. Okay. Uh, so, and uh, I do post, I don't post on the blog all that often, but uh, when I do, it's usually something pretty interesting. Fantastic. Well, John, thanks for coming on and telling us uh, all about this. And everybody, if you me. haven't seen it, go check out those pictures. They're really amazing. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, we may, we may steal some of the pictures to tweet on our uh, Twitter feed. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, cool. And we're, uh, we're definitely looking forward to season 20 and we're uh, we're big fans of yours john so i thank really you appreciate so you coming much. on our I really, podcast i really appreciate you guys having me thank you all right that was great yeah everybody go check out his twitter and his website and if there's any way to support that project if you're near saginaw michigan he would really be thankful and it's a great great guy that john kramer but definitely so before we close up just had to comment on a nice email we got from Sornan, I believe. I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But, yeah, it, 
it was just a nice email that she she stumbled upon our podcast and is hoping to make it a weekly thing and got very excited when she saw that we had a crunch crossover episode we well she should get excited for three of those technically including the one we did with ethan but yeah we always appreciate everyone who says they listen even if they send us a message on twitter or you know tweet at us but thank you very much we've we've had a great run of basically the past three weeks every episode is our highest listen to episode and uh we're yep we're on a hot streak yeah it's i don't know what we expected when we started this podcast because we're just two giant egomaniacs who like listening to ourselves talk but uh pretty much yeah but it's been real nice that people actually care and have reached out even reached out with constructive feedback it's it's all of it is very much appreciated and uh, yeah, that message was extremely nice. I was very touched by it, and you know, thank you for for sending it. Yeah, it was it was very detailed, and it was uh, yeah, it was great. And if you ever tweet at us, and we we give you the business, or it seems like it's sarcasm, we we appreciate all of it. Every every single one of you, lovely people, we appreciate. But you know, yeah, just thanks, Sornan. If I'm mispronouncing that please email us and tell us how we can pronounce it more correctly see now i'm even being scrupulous with the uh pronunciation zach this is going great yeah gotta lighten up map yeah saint of the week okay so yeah so we had our our listener of the week give us the saint of the week Matt. oh nice saint <laughs> joachim that uh you hear about this guy you seen this this fella Zach, his feast day is August 16th, and he is the father of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Do I, do we even need to say more? I mean, it, that's pretty much all you need to know about this fella. Right. I mean, what else could there be? I mean, there's, you know, probably a, probably a decent amount, but he is the patron of fathers, grandfathers, grandparents... Married couples, cabinet makers, and linen traders. Did you did you know that cabinet cabinet makers and uh, linen traders? Uh, never heard that one. Also, the patron of Puerto Rico, and uh, oh yeah, so they have they have a great patron saint. Uh, we had a, the patron saint of gamblers last week. Now we have the patron saint of uh, linen traders. There's a patron saint for everything, really. Yeah, you're not Joe King. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably edit that out. <laughs> uh, he's basically Saint San jo- Joaquin Valley, Saint Joaquin Valley in California uh-huh. is named after him, and the river of the same name is too. So, given its name in the early 19th century by Spanish explorer Lieutenant Gabriel Moraga, which I assume is the named after the town Moraga, California is named after. It's all coming together, Zach. It all makes sense now. <laughs> it didn't before, but it definitely does now. So, yeah, St. Joachim, pray for us, and uh, we thank you for being a wonderful father to the most wonderful woman that has ever lived and being jesus's grandfather oh yeah that's incredible 
Boom. All right, Zach, you got anything before we come to a close? I don't think so. I want to go play with Legos right now, actually. I know. Yeah, that's uh, that really brought back the kid in me, Zach. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And we will talk with you all next week. See you later. Later.